Hello Kings fans, Tony here from Cap City Crown, coming at you with my second edition, my second installment of of, uh, of the podcast we're trying to be doing for our website. Got some uh, roofers working on my house today, or my apartment I should say, so if you hear some banging, I don't think it will be picked up from the microphone, but I can definitely hear it. I'm on the first floor. And there are two, it's, only, it's a, it's a two-story apartment building, so it's probably a lot worse if I was on the second floor. But anyway, so some bad news. Darren Fox sprains his ankle in practice. He's going to be reevaluated in 7 to 10 days. <sighs> that's, that's, a, that's a bad break for us, you know. That's a bad break for the Kings. Hopefully he comes back strong. He... he I mean, the NBA starts in today, uh, it starts in like two weeks, about a little over two weeks, it looks like. So if Fox is not going to be practicing until, or he's going to be reevaluated, right? So seven to ten days, and that, reevaluation doesn't mean he's going to be good to go, it just means they're going to give him a second look and then, you know, give him another timetable for his return or maybe even another reevaluation, um... Man, if the Kings lose Fox for any any time during these eight games, that's going to be detrimental to their chances of making the playoffs or even trying to make that playing game. Fox is the leader of this team. He took over. He he really took over this year. He was really good last year, but you know, Buddy. I, I think I saw Buddy more as a leader as he was averaging twenty points a game. But Fox, he's just been incredible this year. Even with his injury issues, he came back strong and really willed this team to even be invited to this this Disney World bubble, you know, uh, to try to get within four games of the, the eighth seed to get this playing game. Uh, a lot of that is due to him, his great play. He was having a... Uh, he was playing so great towards the end of the season when the Kings went on that fantastic run. If the king, if he misses, I mean, one game, you you have to be counting the Spurs as a win at this point. If you want the Kings to make the playoffs, like that, that's a must win. The Spurs without Lamarcus Aldridge, they have to win that. So if Fox even misses one game, and they could lose to the Spurs without Fox, I I don't see why they wouldn't, or or I couldn't see. I I can see how it's very possible to lose to the Spurs without De'Aaron Fox. They need him, and they need him healthy, and it's going to suck that he's not going to be practicing. Hopefully, it doesn't take him a long time to kind of get back into the groove once he does come back. Hopefully, it is only seven days, and hopefully, his ankle's feeling well. Sprained ankles, it's, you know, (laughs) he sprained his ankle earlier this season. He was out like a month and a half, maybe two months. I don't remember exactly. So Fox, we need Fox to come back for sure. That was big news. Harrison Barnes positive with COVID nineteen. Um, he was the player that got the Kings practice facility shut down. He has not joined the bubble yet in Orlando with the team. The Kings need Barnes too. As much as I'm not the biggest fan. I'm, it's not like I'm not a fan of Barnes. I like Barnes. I just don't think we should assign him to such a big deal and expected 
him to be the like the reason to push us to the next level. I don't think it was in Barnes, but you know, regardless, he is an important player on this team. It's a lot of Kings testing positive for COVID. That's Barnes, Buddy, uh, Alex Lynch, Barry Parker. And then you got Rashawn Holmes crossing the NBA campus line, but we'll get back to that. Or we'll get to that in a second. So if the Kings don't have, I mean, hopefully, uh, I, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not really, I'm not, I'm not a doctor here, all right? I don't know how long symptoms last or how long people normally have COVID-19. I know Buddy Heald tested positive like three weeks ago. And he has already joined the bubble. And same with uh, Jabari Parker. So they're, they're already back. So their symptoms kind of came and went. But Harrison Barnes seemed like he got it before everybody else. And he is still testing positive with the virus. And, you know, that means no practices are in. He's not getting any practices in. Uh, he's not, you know, he's not getting ready. These play, No one's played since March. And regardless of people playing pickup games or shooting around or whatever they've been doing within the last four months without basketball. They haven't played real competitive basketball like they're going to be facing in these eight games. So the the more practice each of one of these players can get is is very crucial to the Kings success. And, you know, especially the Kings who are, they don't have time to, they don't have time to like kind of get back in the swing of things like, maybe the Lakers do or a team with a high playoff seed where they're like, okay, you know, like Russell Westbrook has COVID-19. You know, the Rockets going to make the playoffs. You would much rather, you'll feel more comfortable with Russell Westbrook easing in back to the lineup, knowing that you have a playoff berth secured where the Kings are, they don't have time for Fox to, you know, get 20 minutes uh, off the bench his first night and kind of watch him. And maybe even just see him play poorly. It's like, ah, you know, it's Fox. You know, he just needs to get back in the swing of things. Like they don't have time for that. They need him to come out. They need him and Barnes to come out swing in. And they're fighters, you know. I I, I can see Fox and Barnes like really stepping up. They're two leaders. I, I see Barnes as a leader. One of you know, I think Barnes and Corey Joseph, the only players on the team to have won NBA championships. And Corey Joseph, you know, Fox goes out. Talking about Joseph, I like. I mean, I like Corey Joseph. I was kind of skeptical about him at the beginning of the season, but he he's a, he'll be a good leader uh, while Fox is out, even at this moment and practices and whatnot. Uh, I have no I have no doubts in Corey Joseph trying to lead the team, but it's just his skill ability. His ability is nowhere close to what Fox is even today. So, couple. Uh, Injuries, illnesses that will be affecting the Kings in the next couple weeks before the playoff games, or not the playoffs, the eight-game continuation games start. Hopefully Barnes and uh, Fox, hopefully they're ready to go. And then Rashawn Holmes, a little bit of a situation there i guess you can say rashawn holmes left the or he walked out of the nba campus line on uh i think the the 13th so and he's quarantined for eight days i guess his last day of quarantine will be the 21st so he'll he'll be free the 21st something like that <sighs> holmes i love <laughs> as king's fans you can't hate holmes this year right he's been 
he's been so phenomenal, um, living up past everyone's expectations. He's been great, but geez, just follow the rules, dude. Um, I mean, he'll he'll only have ten days to practice. He could have, you know, eighteen days to practice. But now he's gonna cut that down to ten. Hopefully, that doesn't affect him too much, and he gets, you know. Right back into the swing of things as we need Holmes to play just as well as he was playing all season. And again, same with Fox and same with Barnes. Hopefully their absences from the court in practice won't affect their gameplay. Won't affect their gameplay. Sorry, my voice cracked. But, you know, reality has it is that practice makes perfect. Okay, that's kind of lame. But seriously, again, with basketball, not... Having been played since March, you need all the practice you can get. But I'm glad to know that Buddy and Jabari Parker are back, in, or they they made it to the bubble. They've tested negative, or yeah, negative, right? If it's negative for coronavirus, so after being tested positive, I, I'm not sure if Jabari Parker is going to play because considering he didn't really play much when the Kings got him uh, at the trade deadline, but. You know, it's maybe, maybe they're going to use him. Maybe they're going to utilize him. He's a good scorer. I know his defense is very uh, shoddy. But if you need a guy to score, a big man to score, Jabari Parker's your man. He can do it down low. He's been proving, he's proven to do that in the league since he really has come in. It's just his defense. Ah, it's so terrible. And he's like kind of a classic big, I guess, even though he's undersized. Um, he is... He can't really shoot the ball. It's kind of more post moves down low working. But I, I like Parker. I'm happy that we have him, honestly. I think the Kings can work with him, maybe try to improve his defense a little. I think he can be a important part of the team next year. If they, I, mean, I, I believe he has a player option, and I can't imagine that he would decline that player option for like $3.5 million. It sounds so low, but he really hasn't done much this year. And I, I, that's a lot. I think he's averaging like 15 points a game. Uh, when he came over to the Kings from the Hawks. But, again, his defense has been horrendous this year. Uh, the Kings will have to work on that. But I think he can be a valuable piece next year. Uh, he's still young. Kind of, you know, kind of kind of like a Marvin Bagley to number two. Number two overall pick out of Duke. Power forwards. So we got a couple of those guys injury prone as well. Jabari Parker with two ACL tears in his career so far. He got drafted back in 2014. So he'd been in the league for six years. Two ACL tears. I mean, the dude's probably only 26. I don't know. Anyway, enough with Jabari Parker. He is very irrelevant at this moment. Um, so I'm going to look up something that Bleacher Report uh, posted. And it was about... They were predicting start the starting fives of each team. So, of course, I just... I didn't really care about... The other team, so I went straight to the Sacramento Kings. And so this is the lineup. The the, the projected starting five that Bleacher Report has projected for the Kings. And tell me how you feel. And you know, if you if you're listening to this, thank you. And tell me how you feel. So you got point guard Darren Fox, shooting guard Buddy Heald. But then at the small forward, you got Bogdan Bogdanovich, the power forward Harrison Barnes. At the 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 center at the center you got Rashawn Holmes of course. Um, I'm totally down with that lineup. Not gonna lie, 
I don't, I don't know, maybe people like Nemanja at the four. But that's a, that's a very fast team. And I think it's their best players, too. That's the, that's the Kings' five best players at the moment. Fox. I, it's always the... I I think Bogey should have been starting at the small forward for a while now. I think Buddy and Bogey should be starting together. And it's kind of like giving off this weird rivalry rivalry between the two. Or maybe not even between the two, but between fans. It's like, would you rather have Buddy start or would you have Bogey start? Um, just make them both start. Bogey's 6'6". It's a little undersized, but I mean, the NBA is going smaller nowadays. Just throw him at the, throw him at the three and throw Barnes at the four. Barnes is... He has played well at the four so far this year, and I'm pretty sure the Kings have played very well when they've gone small with that exact lineup. So why not just throw it out there just to start off the off the continuation games? Get your best get your best five out there and let them play hard. If that's your starting five off the bench, you got Corey Joseph. God, who's your backup shooting guard? Corey Brewer is Corey Brewer your backup shooting guard? Backup small forward. Uh, Shoot, there's somebody, right? Who's our backup small forward? Man, I'm terrible. Oh, Kent Bazemore. I'm sorry, Kent Bazemore. I don't mean any disrespect. Kent Bazemore. And then either Nemanja or Bagley. <coughs> God, my voice is cracking so much. Nemanja, Bagley, uh, Len, Harry Giles. I think last podcast I didn't even bring up Harry Giles' name. Sorry. I mean, love Harry. Great player. So that's, that's four bigs they got off the bench. That they can go to, um, they're they're scoring on the front court or the back court. I mean, with Corey Joseph and Corey Brewer, the two Corys. Um, that's going to be a little weak, though. If you do end up starting Buddy and Bogey, you'll have to, yeah, Buddy and Bogey. You'll have to look more to, um, God, Nemanja. Alex Lynn is not really a scorer. I mean, that's, I guess that's where you have to play Bagley, right? And expect him to score off the bench. And he can do it. I have I have faith. I have a lot of faith in uh, a lot of faith in Bagley. I think he's going to play well. I think he needed this break, get healthy, work on his game a little, kind of let all the hatred towards him that Sacramento fans were giving him, kind of let it like subside, put it to the side. Um, I think he's ready to go. I I I still think he's the X factor. I think he's going to help push this team over the top in the playoffs i think he's going to be the uh, kind of like their god their god, what's it called like their seek not their secret talent it's like their secret force i guess and the teams aren't going to expect bagley to play so well they're going to kind of undervalue his they're going to undervalue his value undervalue his worth and um I think it's going to be great. It's a good starting lineup. I'd love to hear what you guys think should be the starting lineup. Should they go just to the normal starting lineup, what they were uh, winning with when the NBA got suspended with De'Aaron Fox, Bogey, Barnes, Bielitsa, and then Giles was starting to get those starts at the center position, but then home started easing his way back right before the NBA got suspended. But I assume you have to start Holmes at the center. Uh, he is the best he's the best big man the kings have at the moment so that's a little that's a little what the kings are doing right now um what we have looking forward to in the quarantine um not the quarantine the uh and when the games continue in orlando but i'm gonna take this i'm gonna take this podcast 
uh, to a different topic now. So I've been seeing on social media a lot lately, uh, who's better, Jason Williams or Mike Baby as a king, as a king, right? And I know Jason Williams only played three years as a king, but definitely a fan favorite. So I'm going to try to break this down uh, in my own humble opinion. So Jason Williams, right? <laughs> he's it's Jason Williams, dude. He's he's an icon. He's a Sacramento icon. He's a Sacramento fan favorite. I mean, even to this day, you will see a Jason Williams highlight posted somewhere on social media. Uh, it's just he he was just so flashy. What he was doing then uh, with those flashy passes, it's, it's still not even really seen today. I mean, it is to a point, but those pa- like Pistol Pete Maravich esque passes, it is incredible. It definitely put the spotlight in Sacramento. Helped bring it over. Uh, the first year, Jason Williams was in Sacramento when he got drafted. It was like the first year, I think, Weber, Vlade, and Peja were all in sack too. So you kind of bringing this four together. And Williams really began helping uh, bring this team, this up-and-coming team, together. And, yeah, again, like I said, he put them in the spotlight with those flashy passes. Uh, but Jay Will, he, he was a good player, but just, you know, he his flashy passes were probably the best he brought. Let me see, I got his stats right here. In his rookie season, he averaged 12.8 points, uh, 6 assists on three point one and 3.1 rebounds, also averaging about 3 turnovers. Second year, 12.3 points, 7.3 assists, so he brought that number up, 2.8 rebounds, so he's kind of down on points and rebounds, uh, but up in assists, but also 3.7 turnovers. So he's also about averaging one more turnover a game um, with one more assist per game. And then in his last year in Sacramento, uh, he took a step back, 9.4 points, 5.4 assists, 2.4 rebounds, but he did lower that turnovers to two. Uh, but, I mean, listen to this. His field goal percentage while being in Sacramento, it was only 38%. And, I, you know, probably most of you know this, but I'm just going to, you know, reiterate the fact just remind people of his stats i get he was a flashy player and all and he did help lead the kings to i think their third best record ever that the kings have had uh, let me look that up 2000 what was his last year 2000 to 2001 yeah uh the kings went 55 and 27 the first year he was there the kings went 27 and 23 in a strike shortened season second year he was there 44 and 38 finished fifth or sorry, he finished 8th in the West. Uh, last in the Pacific Division. That's a very interesting. Good division that year. And then in his last year, the Kings finished 3rd in the West with a 55-27 and record, as I said. So Jay Will was great. You gotta love his passing and what he did for the city. Uh, you know, you can never bash on a fan favorite. But, I'm sorry, Bibby was... Bibby was easily the better player. Uh, the first year Bibby was there in Sacramento, the Kings had their best record ever, and everyone knows the 2001-2002 NBA season, uh, or sorry, Sacramento Kings season, and playoffs, how it ended. They went 61-21. and Bibby was, he was an integral part of that team. Uh, God. I don't even want to talk about their playoffs that year uh 2 3 again they finished well they finished second in the west this year 
Lost to the Mavericks. Chris Webber, knee injury in the playoffs. You know, really. <laughs> Could they have won it in 0203 as well? Yeah, why not? Then 0304, that incredible semifinals against the Timberwolves. I'm not even really talking about Jason Williams and Mike Bibby. I'm just reminiscing how good these Kings teams were. But anyway, let me get to Bibby's stats before I get more off track. So Bibby, his first year in Sacramento, I mean, he, he ups his points every year until the year he was traded. or Yeah, he was traded in 2007, 2008. But he, 0-1-0-2, 13.7. I'm just going to keep going up in his points per game per year. So 13.7 next year, 15.9 next year, 18.4, 19.6, 21.1. He upped his average every year, and then the year he got traded, he was averaging, God, what was it? No, 06, LA, 06, 07, he went down a little, 16, or 17.1. And then 07, 08, he was averaging 13.5 before they traded him. Um... But, I, I mean, Bibby's obviously the better player. I'm sorry. All you Jay Will fans out there, it's just obvious. Uh, Bibby really... Jason Williams is a good player. He's a great player. Um, he wasn't a great player. He was a good player and he's fan favorite. You can't bash Dom for that. But he had a lot of dumb mistakes that really that really held the Kings back, I think. And I think Bibby's um, just being a solid player. And he was just the overall better player. Made better choices. A clutch shooter. Bibby... Bibby was very important to this team, and he definitely helped push the Kings to the next level. I'm not sure if Jason Williams would have had the same effect, but at the same time, we'll never find out. I I do have a shirt. Um, it's an NBA Jam. Like, remember the, I don't know if you've ever seen those NBA Jam shirts where it's, they choose two players from a basketball team, and they kind of... The shirt is like you're looking at NBA Jam you, when you're picking your players or your team. And so I have one with Buddy Heald and Darren Fox in the cover, and it has their stats below. And, you know, it's, it's a great shirt. Honestly, I, I recommend people to buy this shirt from homage.com. Uh, it's very comfortable, too. And so I they had a, like a throwback version for the Kings, and it was Chris Webber and Jason Williams. And as much as I love Jason Williams, as much as other <laughs> as much as every other Kings fan, I'm just like... It should be Bibby on this. I, I know Williams and Weber were great together too, but it it was Bibby and Weber. They were the they were the duo. I mean, they weren't just the only duo. Pasia and Vladi and Christie and Bobby. Jo- I mean, everyone was there too, right? But if you're gonna do a point guard and Weber, you gotta do you gotta do Bibby and Weber. I'm sorry, I don't want I don't enjoy the sellout because Williams was a fan favorite. You you have to do. Man, you gotta do Bibby in that situation. You gotta be Bibby and Weber for the NBA Jam combo. But, whatever. I mean, Jason Williams is a fan favorite. Jason Williams has name recognition throughout the NBA for his flashy passing, his flashy style of play. I don't know. I just had to kind of go on a a rant right there. Uh, Mike Bibby's a better player than Jason Williams. If you want to discuss this, uh, if you feel differently, please email me at capcitycrown.com or at me on Twitter at capcitycrown1 or even just, you know, you can chat with me on there, social media, or 
get on a podcast with me. We can have a little debate. But in my opinion, Bibby is much better than Jay Will. But kind of talking about kind of talking about the old school style of play, or we're talking about the early two thousands Kings. Uh, did anybody see the 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 post of the Sacramento Kings, like the actual Sacramento Kings uh, posted on Twitter and Instagram, where it's like get fifty thousand retweets, and I think on Twitter or on Instagram it was like get two hundred thousand likes or something like that, and. And it was Kings players like Darren Fox, Buddy Hill, and like nowadays Kings players with the old black jerseys on. And I don't, I I really want the Kings to bring back those jerseys. No, I, they no reason those should have even left in the first place. Like you don't see the Celtics always changing up the jerseys. You don't even see the Lakers always changing up their jerseys. You find a nice jersey and you stick with it. So why change that? Uh. I'm not sure what they were trying to get at with that. They didn't say get 50,000 retweets and we're going to bring this jersey back. It just said if this gets 50,000 retweets, dot, dot, dot. Uh, I don't think it did get 50,000 retweets. So does that mean what they were going to do is not going to happen? I mean, it it seemed like they were uh, implying that they were going to bring back those jerseys if it got 50,000 retweets. But... I don't know. Just bring him back, anyways. Bring him back for this eight-game tournament. I, uh, Kings or Sat Kings tracker on Twitter. I don't know where they're getting their information from, but they seem to be pretty official. Uh, they, they they gave out the Kings' uniform, um, the uniforms that they're going to be wearing during these eight games. I think it's going to be like the purples and the blacks, like the the nowadays statements and the icons, whatever. They have weird names, anyways. That's not the ones that I wish they were going to wear from like the 0102 season. Those nice black ones. Oh well. Bring back the golds. Carmichael Dave, if you're listening, you know, I love those golds. Bring those back. Uh, it's so ugly. I think I went on a little rant again last podcast talking about the gold jerseys. I won't bring it up again. So, I've been writing articles for Cap City Crown. Uh, kind of talking about um, the NBA, the Kings draft picks, <laughs> the Kings draft picks since 2010, uh, and going through each draft. Uh, so far, I've written about 2010 all the way through 2014 NBA draft, and where each player is now. So between 2010 and 2014, I'm just going to stop at 2014 because that is where I am at in writing these articles. So there was nine players picked by the Kings or traded for on draft night. Um, Like, I'm going to be counting Jimmer for that because even though the Kings drafted Bismack Biombo, he never played with the Kings. uh, And Jimmer, of course, did play with the Kings even though the Kings didn't draft him. And then I'm also not going to be counting a man named Orlando Johnson. If you know that name, he was drafted by the Kings in the second round and traded immediately to the Pacers in 2012. I'm not. I'm not going to be counting those players. Only the players that were drafted on draft night and immediately were rookies on the Kings. Anyways, so nine players between 2010 2014. That's five drafts. Currently, as of right now, as of this second, only two. Only two of those nine players. And this is only ten years ago. Only two of those nine players. Are on, uh, are on NBA rosters for this, not even for the continuation games. Like, 
those 23 teams just in general only <laughs> only two only two and like this only dates back 10 years ago 2010 nba draft um and then honestly the 2010 nba draft was probably the best draft class that kings had in a long time uh, you had demarcus cousins and hassan Whiteside. And of course, Cousins isn't on a team right now, mostly due to injury, but he can sign with the team if he wants to, but it doesn't seem like that's going to happen now with the NBA presuming so quickly uh, or so close. You know, it's so close to resuming. You have Hassan Whiteside, he's on the Trailblazers. And then 2011, you have Jimmer Fredette, who's no longer in the league. You have Tyler Honeycutt, rest in peace. You have Isaiah Thomas, who was a course a great steal with the with the 60th pick in the 2011 draft last pick and you know he got a lot of bang for his buck for that 60th pick fourth in mvp voting in 2000 and god what year was that 2014 2015 2016 was it it might have even been 2000 i think it was 2016 because right before Kyrie got traded for isaiah but he's kind of been dealing with injury uh, issues since then and kind of bouncing around teams, surprisingly. I thought he still had it in him, but I don't know. Maybe he doesn't. I'm not an NBA executive for a reason. So, boom, those three players currently not on an NBA team. 2012, you just have Thomas Robinson, who... Thomas Robinson, man. Oh, my God. I... Mm, Thomas Robinson. It's kind of shocking the Kings drafted him. I was kind of hoping they were going to draft Andre Drummond. And, of course, that obviously looks like a better pick now. As Drummond is a monster on the glass. But Thomas Robinson, he could have been grabbing at least... (laughs) He could have at least grabbing like 20 more rebounds a game, all right? He could have easily been like a 5 and 25 guy if he tried. Um, But this is Thomas Robinson's problem. So before each and every game that Thomas Robinson would play on the Kings, he would go over, he was like, you know what, my pregame ritual, I'm going to go watch a movie, just kind of, you know, take the stress off. And it's it's Thomas Robinson, Uh, you can't hate on the man for doing so. But before the movie would start, he would go to the concession line, and he would go buy some popcorn, and he would say, hey, hey, worker, I don't know, whatever they're called people who work the concession stand he would say hey extra butter on that popcorn like don't skimp on it like i love the butter so there's thomas robinson with this large popcorn before the game um just with extra butter just dripping from his fingers the the oil the butter and so by the time he got to the game practice whatever he just his hands are just so greasy from all the butter and he'd go into the game. He'd, 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 no matter how many times he washed his hands, the butter just would not come off. And he'd go into the game, and it's an easy rebound, and he'd go right into his hands, and slip right out. And that was Thomas Robinson's problem. Oh, my God. If he had the hands of DeMarcus Cousins, he would have been grabbing, like I said, 25 rebounds again easily. He would have made Dennis Rodman look like nothing. Like, oh. He would have made Wilt Chamberlain look like nothing. Just, dude, just grab the ball. 
Butterfingers to the max. Ah, oh, Thomas Robinson. I couldn't tell you how many plays I remember him just... It, it wasn't even... Like, they weren't easy rebounds. I'll give him that. But he had... Like, it was easy enough to him where he would have grabbed the rebound, like, some miraculous rebound. And he would have had it, too. It wasn't like it was too hard where he... I don't know. It's kind of a... I'm not very good at explaining things, unfortunately. And, and I'm on the podcast, of course. He would He would try to grab this rebound that was going to get away at the last second and he would grab it and it would slip out of his hands and go out of bounds and it's mostly like an offensive rebound or something um because i get annoyed so like ah dude could be another possession just hold on to it and it just kept happening over and over and over again and you know the kings like (laughs) shipped him off the next year to the rockets or no his rookie year they shipped him off in his rookie year to the rockets for who patrick Patrick Patterson? Do we get Patrick Patterson from the Rockets or the Raptors? I think it's the Rockets. I can't remember. Anyways. Um, Thomas Robinson, everybody, not in the league. And then 2013, you have Ben McLemore and Ray McCallum. Uh, people are really high on Ray McCallum for a second. Like, like he was a point guard of the future for some reason. <laughs> like second round pick Ray McCallum out of Detroit Mercy was the pick was the was the point guard of the future he's gonna lead the Kings to the playoffs like he dropped I think 27 against the Lakers his rookie year and it's like but alright that's it we found our next guy right here he's it Ray McCallum it's like I don't know <laughs> come on really Ray McCallum people I'm just calling you out if you guys were big on Ray McCallum he's not even in the league I don't think he played in an no I think he played in an NBA game with the Spurs but that's about it Kings traded him for his second round job pick Ray McCallum nice people loved people loved him for a second for some reason and then you got Ben McLemore Ben McLemore I I have a deep I'm not gonna say hatred but a deep dislikening of Ben McLemore. I I remember on draft night. I really that's who I wanted. The Kings had the seventh pick. Like I really want Ben McLemore. I want this dude on the Sacramento Kings. He's he's I, <laughs> I mean call me naive. I thought he was the best. I mean I'm, <laughs> I thought he was the next Kobe Bryant. I did, and then, you know I'm bashing on people for thinking Ray McCallum was going to be the future. Anyways, yeah I'm stupid too. I guess when it comes to drafting, just like the front offices. Um. Yeah, Ben, ben McLemore. I thought he was gonna be stud, and I remember on draft night, and I'm pretty sure Anthony Bennett went first overall in that draft. Like that just showed you how bad that draft was, and like Oladipo was drafted second, which you know turned out to be a good pick. And then like, I'm like, all right, like I thought he was gonna go two in that draft for sure. Like he's definitely like a number two pick, but at the very lowest. And then he kept dropping, and he kept dropping. He just kept dropping. It was like, okay, Ben McLemore still on the board. It's, I want to say the sixth pick was Nerland Noel. Nerland's Noel. I, I'm not positive. I want to say it was, but like the Suns too. I think the Suns traded him to the Sixers. But again, I can be completely wrong. I don't know what I'm talking about. But all I know is that Ben McLemore was drafted number seven, number seven overall by the Sacramento Kings in 2013 NBA draft, and I was ecstatic. I thought he was the truth. I thought he was the next big thing for Sacramento. I thought if anyone was going to lead the Kings, you know, 
to the next level is going to be Ben McLemore. He could shoot. He could drive. He could dunk. Ben McLemore was the real deal. Ben McLemore was the real deal. And uh, I remember his first possible NBA points of all time. His first shot attempt in the NBA. He was at the top of the key. And he's like... It's like slow motion. Probably in his eyes, not in mine. He was watching the game on TV. But he's like at the top of the key. He gets the ball, right? Or they pass it. He gets it. He gets it at the top of the key. And boom! He looks at the lane. It's like a, It's like Moses parted the sea. They, he, Moses, you know, parted the key for Ben McLemore. He had a straight lane to the hoop. Straight lane. And Ben McLemore, you know, athletic. He's an athletic man. He just he just starts. He, he look, takes one look, takes one dribble, and just goes off straight to the basket. No one's gonna get in his way. No one's gonna even gonna step in front of this freight train of a man, Ben McLemore. And so I swear, I swear to you, he takes off from the free throw line. Ben McLemore, rookie, looking for his first NBA points. Are you kidding me? From the free throw line. And he jumps up and he's soaring through the air. Just like, no, everyone's just like looking at him from below. Just like, oh my God, this dude is going to, he's a future Hall of Famer. Look what he's doing. His first shot attempt in the NBA. He's going to try to dunk it from the free throw line for his first NBA dunk ever. It's going to be, or first NBA points ever. It's going to be incredible. Oh my goodness. We should not have, you know, every NBA executive watching that game at that one, at that like point four seconds like dude we should not have passed on this dude he's the truth anyway ben mclemore flying through the air it's like boom i was right ben mclemore is the man he's gonna dunk this i was right uh next kobe bryant right here and he gets to the he gets to the rim and it hits the back of the rim and clunks out and uh i guess that's a great metaphor for ben mclemore's time in sacramento because i thought he was gonna be great he looked like a great player he was a great shooter in college, and he just that just did not transition that well over to uh, the NBA, and that's about it. Ben, oh my God, Ben McLemore, dude. And that's why I hate him. I thought he did me so good, and he just let me down. And I don't know why. I, just, I, I, I don't know why what happened to him. I guess some players just don't translate to the NBA. He's a prime example of it. He was in the slam dunk contest, though. He was okay. Do does anybody remember? Does anybody remember the 2014? It had been 2014 All Star Weekend Slam Dunk Contest, and it was like this weird format where it's like three Eastern players and three Western players. I think the three West were it was Harrison Barnes, Damian Lillard because Damian Lillard participated in every event that weekend, I believe, and then you had. Uh, and then you have, of course, Ben McLemore. And so I, 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 the only player I remember on the East was John Wall. And I'll tell you why later. But there's like, there's like two rounds. The first round was a freestyle round. It was like the lamest thing ever where I think each conference got like a minute or a minute and a half to just do freestyle dunks, like whatever. And they're, they're just kind of being judged by, I don't know. By some lame judges, obviously. <laughs> the West like lost that round to the East. It was stupid to watch anyway. And then the second round was 
each Western player was going to face off against like an Eastern player for like a dunk, like a dunk off. Like whoever had the better dunk won the point. And I think it was like best two out of three or something like that. And so the, I remember, okay, the first dunk was Harrison Barnes, first of all. Harrison Barnes, you know, that's now a now Sacramento King and like 2K like hooked him up. This technology that was going to, like you could buy his this dunk he was gonna do on 2K, or you could use it in the game. It was like his exact dunk, whatever dunk he was about to do, you were gonna see that in 2K. And it's like, like goes up when he goes up for the dunk. He like he literally like jumps straight up. He does his arms in like a circle. It wasn't even like a windmill. It was like a reversed windmill. It's like a horizontal windmill, and um, he like dunks it. I remember Charles Barkley just like, ain't nobody going to be downloading that. You know, I'm sorry. I'm not an impersonator. Uh, can't do a good Charles Barkley. That's what he said. I'm like, yeah, dude, no one's going to be downloading that. That was awful. Harrison Barnes, you have brought shame to your family's name. Embarrassing. And I say that as a man who cannot even touch the rim himself. Anyways, uh, <laughs> that, was, I just, that just shows you how bad that slam dunk contest won, or was. Damian Lillard, he was next up. He had he lost to somebody too, and so it's like it's like the West already lost, but <laughs> everyone wanted to see all three dunks. So Ben McLemore first for the West. It was him against John Wall in the last dunk of the competition, and so they Ben McLemore brings out uh, minority owner Shaquille O'Neal. He puts him in a in a throne like a king, with like a crown on maybe like a whatever kings wear like that little cape thing i I, I think that's what he's wearing um and like ben macklemore soars over him and dunks it he might have missed the first attempt but nevertheless he he made he he made this dunk whether it was his first attempt or his second attempt and he made it so i'm like okay that's a great dunk so it was the best dunk of that competition so far so there was five dunks with including his at that point um, and he was, was the best out of all five. So I'm like, all right, you know what? At least Ben McLemore is going to put some respect on the West, put some respect on the Kings' name. Um, boom. Great dunk, Ben. Like, I was very happy with it. And then John Wall comes out <laughs> to, like, competing against Ben and does this, like, crazy dunk where he jumps over somebody and grabs the ball off their head and, like, does a reverse dunk behind the back. And it's like, oh, my God, John Wall wins it. It's like... Oh, Ben, really? <laughs> I mean, you, you couldn't hate on Ben, but it's like he just got outshown by John Wall. It's like the only thing I'll give Ben McLemore credit for um, was that dunk. I, I thought it was a great dunk. Good job, Ben. Great dunk. Um, never play with the Kings again, please. Because he did He did come back for the Kings last year. Remember that? He played like 19 games I did not have some bad. I was like, why is he back here? I don't want him. We got rid of him. Why are you bringing him back? He's a nobody. He's nothing. Anyways, that was the 2013 NBA draft. Ray McCallum and Ben McLemore, the, the Mick crew. And then in 2014, right after drafting Ben McLemore, you know, Ben McLemore saw a talent. I wasn't totally, I wasn't totally against Ben by 2014 yet. I'm like, okay, like he's still young. He's a rookie. Um, you know, give him some time to develop, and you know, 
he still needs time to develop. But anyways, Ben Mclemore's on the Rockets. He's another player. So let, let me let me backtrack from 2014. Uh, ben Mclemore is on a team. He's on the Rockets. The Kings will be playing him in this eight-game playoff continuation. Um, let's take down the Rockets. If the Kings only win one game, if they go one and seven in this tournament, please uh, please just at least beat the Rockets. Uh, that's how much I dislike Ben. Anyways, let's get back to 2014. Their draft they only had one pick in this draft, the number eight overall selection. And after selecting a shooting guard with the seventh overall pick in 2013, the Kings, with the number eight overall pick, drafted Nick Stauskas. And you know what, Nick? Uh, you can give um, that poor decision-making to owner Vivek Granadive because the Kings wanted Julius Randle they wanted Aaron Gordon, but they dropped in the draft, uh, or they were taken off the board very early before the Kings' pick. Well, not early. I think Julius Randle was right before the Kings. Lakers took him. Of course, Lakers took him. Anyways. Um, so it's like, all right, Alfred Payton. We need a point guard. Alfred's the best we can do right now. And, like, all right. And then right before they bought a pick, Vivek Rondiva is like, well, I th- I'm... Nick Stauskas, he told me, he told, he said, he said that he made 91 out of 100 threes. This is what he said. There's no proof of that. That's what he said. He's like, I want this dude. 91 out of 100? Hey, Vivek, if you're listening to this, I hit 100, I hit 101 out of 100 threes. Uh, you want to give me a spot on the team, dude? For real, though. He's like, that's what he's basing this off of. And so he's like, well, what do you do? It's like, yeah, I employ, I, I pay, I pay your salary. I want Nick Stauskas. So what are we gonna do? You want you want Nick or you want Alfred? And he's like he's like like he's like holding like their check next to like a like a like a lighter like about to burn it. He's like I, I'm, I'm okay with Alfred. Like you guys want Alfred? And he's like 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 threatening to like fire them or something. Like no, it's your guys' choice. Like who do you guys want? I want I, I want Stauskas, but I'm I'm fine with Peyton. And then everyone's just like oh no yeah no Stauskas oh yeah he's great too. And so. Kings, of course, draft Stauskas because that's the man who's in charge of his choice, Nick Stauskas. And uh, it's not like Alfred Payton has amounted to anything in the league either, but he's amounted to more than Stauskas. But at the same time, what Vivek did just shows how like dysfunctional that front office is. <laughs> like, really, that's, that's what you're going to base your pick off of is... Nick Stouse just saying he made 91 out of 100 threes? Okay, whatever. I mean, that's when the three was still kind of new and everyone was trying to find that next Steph Curry because Steph was going off. Hey, whatever. Nick Stouse is now a king, a.k.a. AKA Sauce Castillo. Yes, I went to Sauce Castillo night. Yes, I have that t-shirt. Yes, I have the two bottles of hot sauce they gave away after the game. I have all of it still. I'm not going to lie, everybody. I have a Nick Stouse jersey. Um, I just really like Nick Stauskas. I'm white, and so I think I, um, <laughs> like I, I'm like a white player, and so like I'm not very athletic, and so I just shoot the ball a lot, and that's what I'm good at in pickup games. So it's like I can I can relate with those other white shooters like me. So like, yeah, Nick Stauskas, dude. I had high hopes for him. Or I wish I did. I didn't really expect too much. I was just hoping he would do well. And, you know, he didn't. He became Sauce Castillo about his highlight, the biggest highlight he had as a king. Got traded the next season, the offseason, 
by, you know, one of the worst moves Vlade Divox made. Um, sent like Carl Landry, Jason Thompson, Nick Stauskas, a future first round pick, and then like this, the rights to swap uh, like a first rounder in 2016 or 2017 for basically just dumping. They were just dumping him on. They just dumping. He wanted, Divock wanted to dump that cash. And then they, God, Divock, man, it's, it shows us right away how like, unqualified Divock is for this general manager position. And you know what? That trade would haunt the Kings down the line. We did not have a draft pick last year because of that trade. And then we could have had the third overall pick in the 2017 draft. But let me take a different let me take a different look at that draft. 2017 where we got was it 2017 where we got Fox? I'm pretty sure it was 2017. If it wasn't 2017, I'm sorry. I'm just gonna keep referring to it as the 2017 draft. So we had So say if the Kings say if say if we didn't make that that pick swap, we would have had the third. And the Sixers would have had the fifth. And the Celtics would have had the first. Because there's a lot of working pieces in here. Because if you remember, the Celtics had the number one pick. And then the Sixers traded the number one, or their number three pick for like the Celtics number one and future draft picks because they really wanted Markel Fultz. And then, of course, we all know that Markel Fultz isn't really a bust. He's kind of had a breakout season this year. But he's still not anything... Close to what uh, the Sixers thought he would be, and on top of it, he's not even on the Sixers anymore. So, say if the Kings had the third pick, <clears throat> sorry, say if the Kings had the third pick, the six uh, and the Celtics had the first pick. This the Celtics, they were pretty high on Jason Tatum. They knew that they wanted Jason Tatum. That's why they traded the number one overall pick. Um, they had a point guard and. Kyrie Irving, right? It was Ky- Kyrie was on the team by that point, right? Maybe he wasn't. Maybe they, maybe they still had it in Isaiah Thomas. Maybe they didn't. They just they didn't need a point guard, whatever. And uh, I don't know. Are the Celtics taking Tatum number one, or are they choosing Fultz? It's like okay, we we should probably take the consensus number one overall pick. Like, you got to take Fultz. You can't pass on this talent. Okay, well I'm gonna do two scenarios. One scenario, they take Tatum. And that means Lonzo goes two. Lonzo goes two in every scenario. But then do the Kings take Fultz with the third instead of Fox? You you have to, right? Fultz was the better point guard than Fox. They needed a point guard. If Fultz is on the board, you take Fultz. And where does where does that leave you, right? I mean, I'd much rather have Fox right now than Fultz. And then let's say that the the Celtics did take Fultz, and then the and then the Lakers took Lonzo. Do the Kings are the Kings drafting Tatum? Are they drafting even Josh Jackson, perhaps? Or are they drafting Darren Fox? Uh, I'm gonna hope. I'm gonna I'm gonna hope if the Kings are in that situation they take at least Tatum or Fox because obviously I do not want Josh Jackson. Um kind of been a bust so far. But he has played better this year on the Grizzlies. Anyways. But they could they could have taken Jackson. It's kind of a risk. And if even if they do take Tatum, I know Tatum's an all star, 
but he's also on like a way better team and a way better organization. If Fox is on the Celtics right now, instead of Tatum, I can see Fox being an all-star already. He's probably not putting up... I'm, I'm going to look up the numbers right now. What is uh, Darren Fox is like a 20-7 and seven guy right now. I mean, I'm not going to look up Fox's. I'm going to look up Tatum's stats, though, and see how far off they truly are. Tatum... I know he's an all-star this year for sure. So 23.6, 7 rebounds, 3 assists. So, I mean, he just... He's just a little better than... He's just a little better than Fox. I mean, not I, I, again. If Fox was on a a definite playoff team, Fox could definitely. I could see Fox as an All Star. So I don't think the Kings are going wrong by drafting Tatum or Fox. They needed a small forward and a point guard. I'm honestly happy with either. I think Tatum honestly is a little overrated. That's just my opinion. People are very high on him. I think he's just on a really good team. He got lucky that he was put on a really good team as a high draft pick. So I could see the Kings, if they did have that number three overall pick, they could have ended up with Fultz. They could have ended up with Josh Jackson. And at best case scenario, they're taking Tatum or Fox, and they ended up having Tatum, or Tatum or Fox. Obviously, they have Fox with that fifth overall pick. So maybe it was a blessing in disguise because they got the man that they needed, and they might not have got the man they needed with the third overall pick. And the Sixers paid for it. They drafted Fultz, got rid of some draft picks, and, you know, where's Fultz now? He's having a good season with Orlando, but definitely not at Fox's level or Tatum's level or anyone's level. And so that's the uh, that's the Kings' drafts for the last, from between 2010-2014, five NBA drafts. Two players on current teams. Hopefully... Kings can uh, draft well this season. I don't know how high they're going to be. You know, it could be out of the lottery for the first time in forever, 14 years, 13 years, if they do make the playoffs. And even if they get a lottery pick, it will probably be not a good lottery pick. Probably in the teens somewhere, like late 10s, I guess, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Uh, So, yeah. Sacramento Kings. Uh, injuries plaguing them right now and illnesses. Um, who's better, Mike Bibby or Jason Williams? I think Mike Bibby. And just how bad the Kings are at drafting players. That's, that was today's podcast. I hope everyone enjoyed. Be signing off. Again, if you would like to join a podcast with me, discuss Sacramento Kings basketball. Please email me at capcitycrown at gmail.com or at me on Twitter at, at capcitycrown1. I appreciate everyone who listened, tuned in. And until next time, uh, it's Tony from Cap City Crown. Thank you. <laughs>